Like twin sons on a womp rat's tail, welcome back to the Tumbling Saber podcast, everybody. I'm Kyle. I'm Murray. I'm Nathan. Welcome back, everybody. This episode I've been looking forward to for a long time, not only because I get to speak to Nathan and Marie again, but because we get to finally, finally talk about the High Republic stories on the other side of it. We don't we don't have to talk about what's coming. We can talk about what is. Guys, how you doing? Marie, what, what have you been up to? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Talk about, like, my life in Star Wars. Star Wars has been my life for the past couple months because of the schmodown. So I have been studying my booty off. I've watched all four. No, I've watched all 12 Star Wars movies four times through <laughs> since January. Um, I, <laughs> I have, like, 3,000 flashcards. I... It, oh my lord it's insane you're gonna have um, to move again to get a bigger place uh, yeah <laughs> it's it's insane um it's been a lot of fun though it's been a lot a lot a lot of fun um but i've been really good um just enjoying this newfound outlet for my passion so so how many people are you slaying in this in the trivia world how many people are, are left in your wake oh there's a lot there ah, i love um, it there <laughs> pile are... up them bodies <laughs> um so the matches are one-on-one -on -one, and i had my first match against um sean sullivan and i won and that was amazing and then upcoming is my um, match in the tournament, the Star Wars tournament. So I am against Gold Leader in the first round. So we'll see how that goes. Sounds um, like a gold loser to me. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies, Gold Loser. I'm, I'm sure he's a fine fellow. Or she? Is it a, Do we know? I don't it's know. It's a guy. I'm sure Could he's a lovely, silver leader lovely after person. this. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a lot of fun um i enjoy going on the the schmodown after shows and and talking about the schmodown and then doing the matches is always fun and it's just been a neat experience getting to know new people and um my faction is the usual suspects and um uh Sam Levine is my manager. So I don't know if y'all know who he is. I do not. Um, he was on Freaks and Geeks and Inglorious Bastards. Oh, cool. Oh, right. Yeah. I vaguely know who he is. Yeah. He has really dark brown hair. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, he's my manager and he's super supportive and really awesome. So it it lifts me up and makes me feel like I'm worthy of being in this space. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, because again, like this is no joke trivia. Like you can't just roll up and, and expect to, to <laughs> get anywhere. Like you have to yeah. you, you have to put in the work. Otherwise, you're going to get bounced immediately. So, uh, Marie, you're you're swinging with the big hitters. Good for you. Thank you. Now, yeah, I don't know about you, Kyle, but I'm probably going to be. Uh depending on you for character names in this episode. <laughs> oh, 
Marie, I don't know if you there know this, so but many. we're both going to be depending on you for character names in this episode. <laughs> I did go back and reread all of my reviews for the High Republic stuff so that I could, you know, make sure that I've got some character names and stuff implanted. Oh, thank God. <laughs> so Because there's many. a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. I mean, it's it's a whole new world. Like it's it's a brand new world of storytelling in Star Wars, and not much recycling from the stuff that we know. Uh, so yeah, you really got to be have that that brain elasticity working to to retain all this stuff. Well, yeah. not only just the characters, but the connections between the characters. Like right. it's, a whole, it's a whole map of a myth. Yeah. 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 Well, before we get into all that, Nathan, is there anything uh, that you've been up to special Star Wars wise? No, I I was really running Star Wars light uh, during your hiatus. <laughs> so was I. <laughs> but no, I mean, I I haven't watched. I don't think I've watched any of the movies since well this year. Um, I don't know if I've actually watched any Star Wars apart from. Uh, See, the don't uh, even, don't even micro remember. series. <laughs> yep, I mean, I'm in the, exact <laughs> the micro same series that was. Yeah, as soon as they uploaded that Disney Plus, I jumped on it. But that's, I think that's the only Star Wars I've watched apart from, uh, like the High Republic show or any YouTube stuff like that. But uh, yeah, like proper actual stories. Yeah, uh, same mm-hmm. boat. Like I've no, I've still not watched anything other than that micro series. Not an episode of Mando. Not a movie. Nothing. But now I know where the quota is going for Tumbling Saber because Marie's tripling up on each of them. <laughs> <laughs> Quadrupling. Quadruple. There you go. Good lord. Yeah. So I, you know, at least someone's she's watching up enough the, for all of us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lifting it's us up. It's a Marie. lot. <laughs> <laughs> if your back hurts, you can blame us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, All right. So, but um, yeah, I, I, I mean, High Republic has been most of my Star Wars cons- Star Wars consumption. Uh, so I've you know leaned into uh, Marvel and DC uh, to kind of supplement what I haven't been getting from Star Wars. But I'm starting to feel that fire come back now with the uh, as we're approaching the second wave of Phase One. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be cool stuff. We'll get into that. So I figured this week, it it the structure of the podcast would have will have a little bit of a different feel. Like usually we do news and then our topic, blah blah blah. But just to make things, I think, make a little more sense, what we're going to do is just talk about our impressions and thoughts on Phase One, Wave One, and then we'll go into the news on Phase One, Wave Two, and then coming out of that, we'll talk about where we think it's all going. And uh, what makes this era important, or if we can even make that determination yet. But uh, yeah, let's just jump right in. Nathan, what are your thoughts so far on The High Republic? How have you been enjoying it? By and large, I think it's some of the most consistently good Star Wars we've gotten in a long time. It's... I mean, there are hiccups along the way, and there are things that I am not as fond of as others. But by and large, I'm really having a blast with it. Uh, it's huge. It's expansive. It's it feels significant. Like there are stories that exist just to be stories. Uh, 
but this feels like it's it has a it has something to say and something to contribute to Star Wars, and it feels like it's going somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm largely largely there with you, uh, Marie. What about you? How have you been taking all this stuff in? How many times have you read these books? <laughs> Take it away. <laughs> um. So for me, I. I, I love the connectivity, how, and reading back through my reviews, I was like, holy crap, things are even more connected than I realized. Because, um, like, little things popped out at me that I was like, oh, I didn't realize that. Um, the overall, I am really, really enjoying it. Um, I'm a little frustrated with the, in regards to the Nile. Um, in light of the jedi the clouds strikes and storms are people and in all the other material they're groups and i don't understand where the disconnect came that led to that um misstep so i don't know if i'm supposed to take light of the jedi as the golden um standard um, or if the others are right, I don't know. So that, that was a little, a little weird, um, that they didn't iron that out, but do y'all know what I'm talking about? Now that you mention it, I think I do. Yeah, you're right. Cause yeah, everybody's, you have Lorna D and, and, uh, uh, oh, the names, the names are escaping me now. <laughs> um, but you have the, like the, she's the runners. only important one. Kasav. <laughs> Yeah, Kasava's another one. Right, but you're right. Like, they've all, like, uh, clouds, storms, strikes, those are all sort of rank within within the Tempests. Yeah, exactly. So they're, they're individuals, like, someone is a strike. But in, like, um, Into the Dark and um, A Test of Courage, it is a group. It's like the, this strike group. And so I don't know. It's just strange. I don't know why they didn't make sure that worked. But besides that, besides, I always have to find something, I guess. Um, but besides that, I love the connectivity. Um, I love that the world building. That was the other thing. The world building is so, so good. Um, where we it fleshed out Hetzal so much the system where the great disaster first started. Um, they fleshed it out so well. Um, and there are other, and the characters, I love that. Oh my goodness. All of these characters are so fleshed out. Mm-hmm. And so um, they, they develop and change and, they're not just random names. And I think that's really cool. I agree. Yeah. Like for, I, I'm with you guys in that for the most part, I'm, I'm really enjoying the high Republic more than I thought I would enjoy it. And I, you know, I, I had set the bar pretty high. Like when you see the names that are attached to these projects, you're like, Oh man, this is going to be good. But for the most part, I think it's been better than I thought it would be. And, and you know, part of it's the world building and the connectivity. The characters have all been, you know, likable and so yeah i think i think yeah. it's been a, a really successful project so far and I, I'm, I'm pleased that 
you know, I've always kind of joked at myself that you know, I, I struggle to keep up with the reading, but I've I've done a pretty good job with with at least the phase one where I you know I've read Light of the Jedi. And I that one I think I read that book in record time for me. Like it took me like a week and a half to get through that novel. Whoa. Yeah, like I just blitzed through it. Uh Test of Courage, I read with my daughter that was sort of our bedtime story no. for, for a couple weeks two three weeks we'd read a chapter or two um, master doug oh pour one out for master doug <laughs> although you know i had to feel like somebody somebody with that name <laughs> he's not sticking around he's really not gonna hang around and he did not poor master doug by the way we are spoiling everything so uh if if uh, you've not gotten into the High Republic yet, and you want to, this might not be the podcast for you because we are, we're just going right in, right in for it. Um, but yeah, uh, I finished recently, I finished uh, Into the Dark and that, that was the book I struggled with the most. And it's, I think it's mostly because of the way I was reading it again at night in bite-sized pieces and the way it sort of jumps from present timeline to 25 years ago and back and forth. I kept losing myself in it. So that one was sort of yeah. the low point for me, even though the last third of the book <laughs> was great. And, and, you know, Claudia Grace still has sort of like that blank check of blind faith with me. So I will always buy her stuff. <laughs> and even the comics, you know, I, I've read up to issue three in the Marvel run uh, to issue two or three in the IDW series. So I, ha I haven't missed much and whatever else I've missed is it's waiting for me at my, uh, local comic shop so it's it's all there i got it all <laughs> I, th I think oh wait even the uh i've read like a couple of these star wars insider short stories yeah um, you know and, the, and those are those are like that was actually my the first thing of of high republic that i read was the first char uh, uh we'll go together part one from charles soul and i got through reading mm -hmm. and i was like what was the point of that okay uh I, I was like okay i guess that's what to expect from a short story in Star Wars Insider. It's not going to really add much. But then after reading Light of the Jedi, Jedi, it's like, oh, no, that actually was sort of important. Like, it it does sort of add a little more context to these characters and the setting. It was it was pretty damn cool. Yeah, I... it, it's funny in my in my mind. I like that short story, like kind of kind of merge morphs and. Com joins in and becomes part of light of the Jedi. Like I can't separate it in my mind. Like when I think of that short story or the content of that short story, I like it's, it's all part of that. The one light of the Jedi story. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine reading light of the Jedi and having the same feelings about those two characters. Uh, if you haven't read the short story. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, I read the short story and I'm like, who are these two? Adrian and Pika. Like, who are these two people? I don't, I've never heard their names before. And so that's kind of one of the reasons why I filed the story away. I was like, this is meaningless. It was just sort of like a tour. Uh, I thought really what I thought it was, was like, almost like a, a guided tour through Starlight Beacon, just so that we would have a mental roadmap of the station. But hmm. then both those characters play a fairly significant <clears throat> role in light of the Jedi. Oh, so yeah. I was like, oh. Geez, I guess they're not throwaway characters. They're actually, actually pretty key. I really enjoyed the second part, part two. Um, I I just thought it was fascinating how intelligent Pika is, 
and clever and problem solving how she was able to do that crazy thing with decoupling the um the thrusters something like that yeah i mean she yeah, yeah, yeah. she she weaves some tech magic star warsy tech magic and boom things are fixed in the nick of time <laughs> i thought that was pretty cool yeah and then i'll talk when we get to speculation later on, um, I have something from the second story that the part two that um, I want to talk about. Yeah, the speculation mm-hmm. part's gonna be funny because I think this this whole thing, this whole initiative, is playing such a long game that boy, like I don't know where this is going, but it invites you to kind of speculate kind of wildly. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we're doing a whole part on the uh, on the news uh, of the upcoming stuff, but I don't even know if we knew last year uh, that we were ab- about the waves and the phases. Did we? W- did we find out about that in January or something? Uh, yeah, it doesn't feel like. Well, yeah, I feel like the having it broken <clears throat> down into to phase and waves as they're doing is relatively new info. Yeah. I I just thought it was just going to be like this avalanche of, of stuff that would come when it comes. And no, like it's being segmented in a way that like, we don't, I don't know where the finish line is. I don't, is it phase four wave three? Is that the end? (laughs) I think they said, didn't they say phase two was next year? Uh, So like, I feel like we're going to get, I feel like we're going to get, maybe three waves in a phase because you know we had one in january and then we're getting another one that starts in the summer and then presumably maybe we'll get another one next january and then maybe next summer will be the start of phase two that's kind of how i expect to see it go Mm, yeah maybe i wonder if this is sort of supposed to be like uh storytelling to sort of plug the hole for for readers between cinematic releases yeah Yeah, maybe uh you know i mean we had all that mandalorian stuff canceled too so (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) yeah anyway sorry i got us into news a little early we can (laughs) oh yeah i mean we got plenty of time to get there but um nathan coming back to you like do you have a favorite uh whatever favorite book story character details like what are the things or something you love best about this era so far i honestly i think into the dark is probably my favorite so far cool i i don't know i like maybe it was it just took that long for me to kind of acclimate to the new status quo of the galaxy and to sort of invest in the characters and the and, well, and the Republic, because the Republic is probably a bigger part of this story than it has been of any other story. Um, like the Republic itself, like like it's a, the new idea of the Republic. Um, but yeah, I mean, Into the Dark, I thought it was a great story. I, I mean, I loved every single character. I, you know, there's always a character in a book where you're taking them or leaving, but the in Into the Dark, I loved every single character. Yeah. I thought, you know, Wreath was great. Dez was great. Uh, all the Jedi were great. And you had uh, 
the vessel and the and its crew geode (laughs) (laughs) yeah how how a rock became so contentious on the internet i don't understand but um, I thought I just think it's great, and the story's great. The Drengear, what a great introduction for the Drengear. Um, it was a slow build, but I think I think that worked in favor of the story, where you only get the the real villain. Well, that's the thing for the first two thirds, four fifths of the of the book, you don't really have a villain, right? Yeah, the novel have... just sort of nibbling at the edges, right? Like, are yeah, they the, are they the problem here or what? Like, what's who's what's the conflict here? What's the real problem? It's certainly it's not going to be a elderly Zabrik and and a teenage Nan or how, hmm. however old she is. Like, yeah, that's not the problem here. Who who's going to swoop in here and and really cause a problem? Yeah, yeah, the drain gear didn't show up until about seventy percent of the way through. Yeah, so it's <laughs> you know. It's a it's a bold move to go that long without introducing a uh, you know a antagonist. You know, I mean, sure, sure, there were there was uh, conflict and and struggle and all that stuff, but but yeah, that's a long time to go without introducing a uh, an antagonist. But I mean, I liked Wreath. I, I was honestly real shocked at how much I liked Wreath. You know, he wasn't. I didn't find him annoying. I've I've heard people say that they thought he was annoying. I and the funny thing is, he he uh, he has characteristics that I have, or I would have expected to find annoying. Like you know, he wants to stay home and doesn't <laughs> want to go on adventures and whatever. He's under quarantine but, too. Yeah, <laughs> but I I I don't know I. I thought he was really well written, and uh, he learns his lesson at the end. And, yeah, you know, I've, hmm, I, I'm I'm kind of mystified at why people would complain about Reith. I mean, we knew a, b- a bit about him going into the story that yeah, he's a bit of a bookworm and he doesn't really care much for adventure. And oh man, what kind of Jedi is that? But he's not like your typical whiny teenage Star Wars character. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is sort of the, and even if you like the character in the arc, but the Ezra problem <laughs> in Rebels is that, you know, he continually learns a lesson at the end of an episode and the beginning of the next episode, he's forgotten it, and it is it is an issue with that series. And I'm not saying that's a reason not to like the show or like the character, but that is a problem, and. But that doesn't happen with Wreath. Wreath doesn't actually learn the lesson until the end of the of the book, until the end of the story. It's not like every, you know, fifty pages he's learning the lesson and forgetting it. Yeah, it, he, it took him he, a while to get there. Yeah. He d- he's yeah, he's learning it throughout the entire book, and at the end it clicks for him and he gets it. Now, it'll be a problem if he shows up in another book and <laughs> <laughs> is back to where he started, but I don't think that's going to happen. Well, that's a but good point. That's... It's it, it, that'll be a real uh, demonstration of how well these authors work together. And yeah, because uh, I think he's going to next show up in uh, the next Justina Ireland book, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So 
Justina Ireland and Claudia Gray would have had to have spoken about Reith's arc and where, at what, where should Justina pick him up from where Claudia put him down? Yeah. So that that's going to be cool to watch. That's you know that, that and that's one of the great things about this series is that the characters can jump all over the place. Like the the mm-hmm. authors don't really have sole jurisdiction over over the characters they've introduced. Like they all they pass around like crazy. Right. Well, and this is this is going to be one of the interesting things going forward is I don't think we've actually ever seen this happen where a single story continues um, through different. Um, I, I mean, it, it's just really age groups uh, for the different for mm-hmm. the different books. But like, yeah, you'll get the same characters in the same time period. Like with a lot of the uh, like the like the Force Awakens uh, uh, tie-in material. You know, you'll get th- or or like solo or whatever. You'll get books with similar or the same characters and similar beats and things through different, you know, middle grade to young adult to uh, Del Rey <laughs> books. But this is the first time where, like, the it, it's a single story that's going to you're going to follow Wreath from a young adult novel into a middle grade novel, but there's going that it's going to be a single thread. Right. And I don't know if we've seen that before in star Wars. Uh, not that I know of. Nope. That's a good yeah. point. Marie, what have, what have you been, what's your favorite stuff coming out of this so far? Oh man. Um, hmm. So I really like Avon Staros. I love how she is a tinker and an engineer thinks like an engineer solving problems. And um, she's just a lot of fun. I like her. Uh, so I enjoy Come on, it. Vern. <laughs> she calls her Vern. It cracks me up. Oh yeah. 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 Come yeah. on Vern. <laughs> <laughs> Vernestra Rowe. Um, so I really enjoyed a test of courage, um, because, and I know that's, you know, the middle grade novel, I really enjoyed it because it showed, um, Emery struggling with the dark side and how he was able to overcome that and fantastic world building again with this planet that has the crazy acid rain that destroys everything and then everything grows back. Um, and that was another novel where the bad guys like make a big show at the beginning, but then they don't come back. And I only know these percentages because I have a Kindle. Um, so they, they don't show back up and they're in the prologue and they cause havoc at the beginning of the novel, but they don't come back up again until 65% of the way through the novel. Um, so that's another instance where like the bad guys are later on, but it works and you Mm -hmm. see the development of these characters and it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. That was a, a, you know, for, for a book for younger readers, it had some pretty heavy material to it as, as these characters all kind of process grief and, and loss. 
Yeah. Like, almost oh, like my grief Lord. and loss was was the villain for the first half of the book. That's a good point. Hmm. And then, and then, yeah, the, then the Nile come back. Yeah. And then, um, and I liked how it was really contained. It was easy to tell the characters. Like there wasn't a, a whole bunch of minor characters. Um, so it was easy to follow along, which is obviously appropriate for a younger audience. Um, so the other thing I really enjoyed was Master Comac. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His struggle with emotions and mourning and how the Jedi are not supposed to feel emotions. And he's like, this is messed up. Like, this is just straight up wrong. I don't understand. And I'm like, yes, preach. Like, I don't get it either. <laughs> so I I just love how he's desperately struggling with that because it makes him so relatable. Well, yeah, and it's, well, that's, that's one of the notes I have here is that, you know, the Jedi overall have this aura about them in this era. And, and as an order, like they haven't really been pushed until the Nile, until the Great Disaster. But specifically with with Master Comac, you're right. Like some of those tenets of the Jedi Order, like emotional detachment and not mourning people when they die. And he's questioning and going, yeah, this is messed up. Like. Why can't I mourn the people that I care about when they die, especially the way they go out? Like, yeah, that's stuff that we see prequel era era Jedi still struggling with and that never gets sorted out and then causes their downfall when the chosen one is denied all that stuff, too. And it all yeah. falls apart. So that's that's a great piece to show how the Jedi just as an order do not evolve. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I also want some art of Master Simics because Ooh, <laughs> the Philothar. Yeah, I mean just a snake guy. <laughs> How does he hold the lightsaber with his tail? Like does he <laughs> You know, like I, I want to see that. Yeah, you know what? Something else I was thinking about actually before we got on to the recording is like I, I wish each of these books had some of the concept art that they share online. As oh, like a section yeah. in the book, just mm-hmm. so you can, I mean, they do a pretty good job in the book of describing the character's physical attributes, but it's, yeah. it's always more helpful. Just, just give me the literal picture. It exists. Print it and put it in the book. One well, thing it's when that... it shows up, it shows up in one of the comics, right? And you're right. like, oh, okay. Well, I wish I had known because now it's hard to think of the story that you read and sort of insert that artwork in, into your memory where you've already built this character and how they look and how they sound in your head throughout the entire book. It's you, it, it, it's like reading a, a book and then it gets ad- adapted into a movie. It's like, well, that's not how yeah. I imagine that character. Whereas if you see the movie and then read the book, it's much easier to insert the actors. Yeah. Into- I do like, yeah. I do like how the um, the comic, the adult run, um, how it introduced the Drangir right about the same time that Into the Dark was released. Mm-hmm. So you were able to visualize these creatures and get along with it in Into the Dark, an incredibly detailed description of... They're Russell thudding and 
uh, holding blasters and like all these crazy things they can do. And you've got a visualization of it that came out almost at the same time. So that was pretty cool. Well, we got the concept art for the Drangir really early, too, I think. Like, we got it, what, last summer, probably? Mm, yeah, yeah, last summer, last fall. But uh, actually, that, that is interesting. It's one issue I have with Into the Dark is that I'm pretty sure at one point she describes a Drangir as having a sharp hand. <laughs> I don't really understand that because they don't have huh. hands. They just have tentacles. I'm, yeah. And I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I, I mean, obviously, I think it's when uh, Komak and Orla are fighting the Drengear, uh on the Maxine station, which, oh, Maxine is, is a whole other thing. But yeah. uh, uh, I, I'm pretty sure at some point, like, he swiped. Uh, one of the Dringir swipes at Comac with his, sh quote, sharp hand or something like that. And I was like, hand? <laughs> what? Yeah. Huh. Anyway. Well, I, you know, I think I was, I don't know if I was oblivious to what was going on, but when the Dringir finally show up in Into the Dark, I was like, whoa, cool. Like, I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention. I, just, I don't remember seeing that coming. Like, I know that the whole place was full of, um, you know, plants and, and life and all that stuff. But I, I don't know yeah. if I, I attributed that to the Drengear. And now that, you know, when you look into the Rise of Kylo Ren comic, and it's the same station that Snoke is sort of taken up residence in, it adds a completely different element to that, you know, to, to that little mini miniseries. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. Especially, especially since, um, you know, well, what I was referring to in Bloodline uh, yeah, yeah. The front they use for building the First Order are the Amaxine Warriors. And Snoke's holed up in an Amaxine station. Yeah, it's uh, interesting stuff. You got to wonder because they've never really, and this, I guess this is sort of like a little bit of speculation that I should save towards the end, but the Amaxines came up in the Aftermath novels for the first time, but we didn't get too deep into them. Uh, they showed up again in uh, Bloodline, mm -hmm. but again, not super deep into them. And here, now they're part of the High Republic. It seems like at some point the Maxine Warriors are going to play a role in future Star Wars. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, in Bloodline, it wasn't even the Maxines. We found out that they were an ancient people that or warrior people that left the galaxy in search of greater conquest. But we didn't actually see a Maxine's, but we saw, you know, these first order operatives masquerading as a Maxine warriors and calling themselves a Maxine's. Uh, yeah. But they were just mercenaries who were working for the first order. Uh, but yeah, I mean, fascinating stuff. Also, uh, again, another Claudia Gray book. So there's that through line, but we also get, uh, the theme of how rare handwriting is in the galaxy. <laughs> Penmanship. What? Yeah. Well, I mean, we get the, you know, with the napkin bombing, uh, Leia yep. gets, gets that note and she, she remarks that how rare handwriting is. And then we see the, uh, smuggler symbols on the Maxine station. And, you know, those are rare. So it's very interesting. 
You know, another thing that I've enjoyed is sort of this, um, I don't say layering, but like sort of like the vocations of the Jedi. Like you look to the prequels and it was, you know, they, they all kind of seem to do the same thing, like meditate, fight, meditate, fight over and over. Mm-hmm. Right. There's, not, there's no variation in what they do, but you see characters like, like Wreath, who's a bookworm, um, the old guy from Light of the Jedi, the Blade of Bardotta. I remember his nickname, but not his actual name. But he's like oh. a 400-year-old Jedi. He's kind of at the end of his career as a Jedi. but And so he shifted. He's done everything. He's done it all. <laughs> but he's now like a, um, a cook a cook for the Jedi. And it's a completely yeah. dignified thing for him to do at this point of his career. Yeah, the, the Jedi, Jedi still need to eat, right? And so why not have a, a guy who can cook? And, and that's right up his street at that point of his life. I, I thought that... Um, it was cool for them to give the, the Jedi these other secondary roles that aren't considered. Porter. Part, Porter? P- Porter? Porter Angle. Porter Angle. Porter. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I thought you meant his career was a, as a porter. And I was like, he's <laughs> <laughs> taking bags up to the room? What? Uh, no, yeah, Porter Angle. He was, he, yeah, he was really cool. Um, and yeah, like the, the other vo- the vocations that some of these Jedi have. It doesn't make them less than. It just gives them an additional role. And I I thought that was pretty Mm -hmm. interesting. And one thing that really I love, and I've loved it since 2015, since the character was brought in, is uh, the inclusion of the Santeca family name. Mm -hmm. Yes. Wow. Like those guys in in Light of the Jedi, I forget their names again, but this is Laura Santeca's great, great, great granddad's. And they, they're no good. They know things. <laughs> they, they've been up to things and, and they're not telling. And I think going, coming to uh, force awakens lore is, is carrying the, the sins of his family on his back. And I, I can't wait yeah. for him to flesh that out. Cause I mean, the whole thing with the, with the Nile is, you know, as, as the guys who sort of, uh, set up the great disaster by sabotaging hyperspace and just creating, you know, thousands of missiles leaf- moving at light speed towards, you know, populated planets is that they move through hyperspace kind of at will. And right. Nobody, you know, and they use like these unknown or forbidden kind of pathways through hyperspace called paths. And I think it's, um, it's an, it's, there's one of the Santeca's sisters, right? And she's like super, super old, but she's being kept artificially alive by the Nile. Yep. Mm-hmm. In some sort of like back to tank, right? Mari, Mari Santeca. Yeah. And, and she's just sort of in this back to tank and Markeon Rowe, the, the leader of the Nile or the eye of the Nile is, um, he's able to get these secret hyperspace paths from her without any other of the Nile knowing like they, they don't know what makes Marquion Rowe so special. Like, why does he know all this stuff? Well, he's keeping, uh, uh, this old lady Santeca in his, basically in his bedroom where nobody can see her. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, I... it's interesting. I, I love that they're, that they're kind of wreaking havoc on space using these secret hyperspace lanes um, and the way Charles Soule wrote it in Light of the Jedi is pretty terrifying that they can do little micro jumps 
Yeah, that was insane at the Battle of Kerr. They're not even secret hyperspace lanes. They're just making their own. They're just, you know, (laughs) they're cutting across a field. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's another way of putting it. Like, yeah, like instead of using a hyperspace lane, I'll just cut through. I'll just go. (laughs) Yeah, it's like just minute to minute. Like it's it's like a, a customized route. It's like need to go from point A to point B. Actually, we need to go to point A to point C directly without stopping at B, you know? Right. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to explain it. And, and um, you know, the other thing I think is really, really cool about this era so far is just sort of the, the uniqueness of the enemies and the threats. Mm-hmm. It's been, I think it's been refreshing to get away from uh, you know, dark side using lightsaber wielding bad guys and see what yeah. else is out there for the, for the galaxy to throw at the Jedi. So I think that, you know, even though the, the Drengear are supposedly very, you know, deeply connected to the dark side. Mm-hmm. I mean, that to me, that only happens because the authors wrote it. Like, I don't know that there's much in the story. Like if, if, if you didn't have the, those idols that were sort of locking the Drengear in the station, I never would say like, Oh, Oh, those are obviously dark side bad guys. Yeah. Right. But yeah, the the uniqueness of the bad guys is something that's been pretty damn cool too. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting to have an enemy that's sort of intrinsically tied to the dark side, like like biologically mm. tied to the dark side. Yeah, where it, they don't have a choice in the matter, right? Like they didn't choose evil; they just they, you know. <laughs> I was born in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's, it, it, it almost, it almost creates sort of a, or you could see it creating sort of a moral quandary for the Jedi in, you know, do they have a right to destroy these creatures? I mean, I guess it comes down to a point where, yeah, you'd kill a, uh, a Gundark if he's attacking you. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have to save your life, but, you know, defend your life, but, it's sort of like, do we have a right to annihilate or or imprison all of these creatures because of their nature? Like it's it's a it's an interesting moral question. Well, yeah, and they do get into that a little bit. At least Reef does in Into the Dark, where he, yeah, he does sort of question like, well, you know, I I don't want to have to kill these people, but uh, basically, the, you, they've sort of forfeited their right to live in a way by taking up combat yeah you know taking up arms against people and being a threat they've sort of forfeited their their right to to not to live but to not get killed in combat (laughs) they're not immune to this anymore because they've made some pretty bad choices that brings me to an interesting um comparison and I, i have a couple things actually with this um so the the idw higher public adventures um the jedi and that seem like we're gonna wipe out everybody and they're just attacking like crazy the nile um without any seeming reservations about it which is weird to me because it conflicts with everything else which is saying like life is precious be careful because when it was Reef that 
cut off the arm of the the one uh forget who the character was but he but the red scarf was, guy wasn't it <laughs> yeah 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 so how he was attacking um nan and he um cut off his arm and he was struggling with that hardcore and in the high republic adventures it's just like woo let's knock down everybody and also yoda makes a joke about um oh gosh what is her name Z zine zine mm. is that her name i think uh, yeah, the so. the mickeyan um she has a pet chom chom that looks kind of like a bat and yoda makes a joke about because he's he's laying there the bat the the creature's laying there and he looks like he's almost dead but he's just stuffed uh, from eating and yoda's like oh he's he's just really full and they're like he ate a nile and then he goes oh no just a couple fingers <laughs> And I was like, what? Like, Yoda's laughing about this creature taking appendages <laughs> off of another living sentient. Like, it was so Just weird. He was. It was so weird. So, like, it's a really good question. Like, what do the Jedi, um, what is their take on killing, you know? And we don't really see it in the prequels because what are they killing? They're killing droids. Yeah. Which, yeah. And that's why Lucas kind of took, I don't say the easy way out, but droids, it was droids because he didn't want to have the Jedi chopping up living people, living beings. Right. Yeah. No, that's an interesting question. And you would think that in the IDW series, you know, geared a little more towards kids, it would be a little bit of a softer delivery or at least a clearer sort of through line of like, no, you can't, you should not just recklessly kill things and, and make jokes about it. <laughs> it was so weird. And then the Honestly, other, I, I don't think that's Yoda. I mean, the, that guy does not look like Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are some panels where he's looking rough. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Or fresh. And then, I mean, he's two two hundred years younger. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. The um, okay. the <laughs> I'm trying. What do you want me to do? <laughs> um, the other thing is Marchion Row, and I didn't even realize that's who that was in the High Republic Adventures. Um, I thought it was just like a some storm but it, it was it's marching on row of all people like that guy's got a wardrobe like lando <laughs> um so it his first off his appearance in that comic series conflicts with his appearance in light of the jedi because it looks like he's wearing all this hefty armor in the adventures series um and in light of the jedi he's like wearing a white tunic and black pants and... I wonder if that's like his field outfit. Yeah, but that was the like other when thing. He makes, when he makes landfall, maybe he armors up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was the other thing that 
I don't see him doing dirty work, but in the adventure yeah. series, he's definitely doing the dirty work. And also it has the, the big, um, whatchamacallit, uh, the big gladiator arena thing on his ship. And it says in Light of the Jedi that he doesn't allow other Nile on his ship because he doesn't want them to discover the Santeca lady. Yeah. So why suddenly is his ship filled with Nile? Yeah. <laughs> that was... There, there are a couple places where I'm like, did, did they talk about this? What... But I get it. It's a really big endeavor. So there are going to be hiccups. Like I, I'm sure. I understand that. But I, I, I will say that I'm uh, at the moment I'd be happy to um sort of disregard the High Republic Adventures comics. They're they're not they're not really doing it for me. I mean My... they're they're fine, they're not, you know, but it's the arts not my to my taste and the story so far is not uh not grabbing me you know what is grabbing me out of, the, out of that thing and it's it's a it's a small art thing but one of the characters and I, I don't know her name i don't know what species she is if you remember from the clone wars uh uh tipley and tiplar they were like twin sisters mickeyan they're mickeyans I find the art on the characters mesmerizing. Yeah. I, I just find myself like drawn to that character, the way that the, her tentacle hair stuff is, is drawn and colored that, that yeah. I find mesmerizing. Uh, mm. But yeah, if I had a blind spot or a weak spot in the high Republic so far, it is the IDW stuff. I, I, you know, when I did read them, I, I went through them quickly and I'm, you know, a, a couple of issues I don't have in my possession yet at all. So yeah, that's that's sort of the the weak underbelly <laughs> for me as uh, you know when it comes to this stuff. I'll catch up, and if it's not doing it, that's the thing about this, right? There's so much that you can't beat yourself up too much if something is not working for you. Just put it down. Yeah, put it away. Don't go. You don't you don't owe anybody anything. If you bought it, the author got your money. You supported them. You don't have to follow through with the read if you're if it's not doing it. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different people and different creatives and voices working on these books. I don't know that everything's going to work for everybody. But by and large, like it's it it like I'm I'm really liking what they're doing here. Um and I I think I think this this story, this era initiative, whatever you want to call it, it's designed it is designed as one sprawling story that's going somewhere. But mm -hmm. I don't think you're so I don't think you're supposed to feel satiated by any single uh, branch of the tree. Like, I think if you read just sort of like the adult novels, you might. But like, if you read so just sort of the any anything else, like if you read just the comics, I don't think you'd be getting what, what you're intended to no. get. Like the more you take, obviously, the more you get. But hmm. I think it's really designed that you know, with, with all the world building and character building that you're, that you are supposed to at least take in a couple of different veins of the story. Well, yeah. and, and that seems to be clear for, for wave two where, you know, 
like we we said the the characters from uh, the middle grade novels and the YA novels they're going to be you know migrating into some of the adult novels and and vice versa and yeah so if you, if you want to follow the stories of these characters you're going to have to follow them into the different uh age group media that's also a very clever marketing thing right <laughs> if, mm -hmm. if, you like the, if you gravitate toward this character guess what now they're in a comic book go pick that up yeah don't oh! <laughs> well i guess that's a good segue because you know that's what we've we've kind of gotten our, our impressions and thoughts of of phase one wave one out of the way but we're kind of getting to the end of it like really all the books are out um there's a couple of comics left to come out and so really we're kind of at the end of of wave one so earlier in the week we got news about phase one wave two and <laughs> I, I was going scrolling through the piece on StarWars.com and I'm almost crying because <laughs> there's if you thought there was a lot to take in with Wave One, there's way more yeah. with Wave Two, including an audio drama <laughs> and an anime yeah. story. Oh god! And, yeah, manga. I'm so excited. Oh, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff. Um, I, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll go through the, the stories here and, and try and blitz through this as, as quickly as we can. But uh, it kicks off. Uh, June 2nd with uh, wave two is uh, kicks off Wayne on June 2nd. Oh my goodness. Um, so star Wars, the high Republic number six from Kevin Scott comes out and the penciling is by George, George Gentil, uh, who at least for that issue appears to be taking over from Ario and Indito. And to me, that's a bummer. You know, I, so I think the art in the Marvel series has been, I think my favorite star wars art since since the new canon kicked off it's been it's been pretty so good good so i don't know i, I don't want to say anything bad about the new artist you know i'll wait and see what it looks like but i i do hope and indito sticks around and it's just sort of a one issue break or something i will say though that you know damn jerry duggan for stealing phil noto for cable mm. <laughs> because i feel like if Noto had been working uh, in in the High Republic, you know, in in the 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 pages, he's been doing covers. But uh, if he had been working in the page, oh, it would have been so. I mean, it is gorgeous. You're right. The art has been fantastic in in the Marvel series. But I just imagine those those stories drawn by Phil Noto, and it's like, oh, <laughs> what could have been? I want Phil Noto back in Star Wars. I always want Phil Noto to work on Star Wars. But hey, if you know, if I gotta get him in X Men, I'm not gonna complain about that either. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So the synopsis: uh, the Republic frontier in crisis. The Jedi of Starlight Beacon join forces with their most feared enemy to face the terror of the unstoppable Drengir Horde. Uh, Avar Chris and her new allies fight nightmarish creatures on a harsh lava world. Can young Jedi Keeve Trennis save her former master from the Great Darkness? Also, who or what is the great progenitor? And so uh, that's sort of the, the tease for some of the new storylines coming in uh, issue six. And it's interesting to see this really blatant tease that the Jedi and Nile will actually join forces temporarily to uh, to fight the Drengir. That's kind of yeah. cool. And you know, I, who knows where that will lead the Jedi to kind of combine forces with these ruthless marauders yeah 
you know, who knows what kind of cross-pollination comes from that allegiance. Um, Goodness. And then, uh, boy, I've been, I've been worried about this guy since the get-go here, since Light of the Jedi, the uh, Trandoshan Jedi Master Skier. He's been getting his ass kicked <laughs> all over the place. He's lost yeah. an arm. Who's... I don't know if I'm getting characters confused here, but who's the Jedi in Light of the Jedi who kind of shot himself through the vacuum of space into another ship uh, and then uh, upon going through the door kind of smashed his leg and broke it really badly? It was Loden, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, that was Wasn't Loden. that great storm? Yeah, that was. you're right. I, I thought, boy, did Skier break his leg and get Your favorite character. <laughs> I like Loden, actually. I just, Loden, great storm. I don't like the name. It's I, I still maintain it comes from a Star Wars name generator. He's, he's a cool character. Yeah, I, 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 I think it'd be, I think it'd be fine if he wasn't a Twi'lek. But I, you know, I don't know. I feel like Twi'lek should have either French or alien names. <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah. So yeah, um, poor Skier. I mean, he's he's you know, he at least he lost an arm. You know that that sucked. Even though it grows back, it still sucks for him. And he's been kind of being driven mad a little bit in the comics. Yeah, by the drink gear. Yeah, the sort of... And PTSD. All of it. Like, really, this guy's really taken all of it on the chin. And you, is, is this guy going dark? Is he going to get killed? Are they going to knock him out of the, of, of the timeline? Who knows? But yeah, poor Skier, man. Hardly knew him, and he, he may not be around so long. <laughs> But I, I am that is one this. thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying, yeah, it's, it's the Marvel comic run. I'm in for the. I've, I think I speak for all three of us. I'm in for this as long as it goes on. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was just going to say that it's been interesting with the characters. They have not pulled any punches um, with killing off characters. No, lots of Jedi it's have just, died. It's so crazy. It's like you meet this person and you're like, oh, they're pretty cool. And then it's like, what? <laughs> Gone. <laughs> you killed him already? <laughs> yeah. And then, well, I mean, right at, right at the beginning, the very first character we meet, you know, is like, was well, Captain Mutzerface. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, pilot, the, the captain of the legacy like, run. Yeah, she's there for the prologue. And then it's like, oh, but she was super cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was a very Star Trekky <laughs> prologue. I thought it was like very uh, tactile in a way that a Star Wars, a Star Trek story would read, which is not yeah. a bad thing. Which is not a bad thing. Well, but... actually, that was one I thought of the uh, the entire uh, flashback story in into the uh, into the dark felt like the whole was it uh, Iram and Aronal Aronal and Iram. That whole situation felt very Star Trek to me. Yeah, I've, I've, got, yeah, two, I've got a blank that. spot two, in my mind two for planets, <laughs> Neighboring planets, they never got along. You know, it's, uh, it's a very Star Trek scenario. Real, real quick, just as a, since you were talking about that flashback, Queen Thandaka is awesome, and Afra's Artifacts <laughs> is going to be about her this sun tomorrow. <laughs> Who's that? She was pretty cool. The queen kidnapped queen. Oh, queen! Th I heard 
Queen Santeca. And I was like, wait, there's a Queen Santeca now? What? <laughs> Queen Thandeca. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, that's another and... thing, Marie. Uh, so far, this High Republic as a whole has given Afro's artifacts a lot to talk about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's been super exciting. <laughs> So that, 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 I mean, as a content creator, that's great for you. You're going to have, we're going to have lots to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Moving the, on. Uh, it, it is interesting though, that, you know, we were told that the high Republic was 200 years for the prequels. They didn't say it was 225 years prior. <laughs> so we have gotten story a lot further back than we thought. Yeah. The flashbacks <laughs> with, um, yeah, with uh, Comac and, and Orla. Mm-hmm. Orlo, I think, is, is the other Jedi. I, I loved her too. I thought she was a yeah, very that's a cool really character. interesting. She was concept. great. Does anybody else, as a quick aside, seeing these pictures or, or you know building these characters up in your mind and then seeing some of the concept art, I so badly want like Black Series figures of some of these characters. Oh yeah, oh, man, they'd be some of the coolest figures on the shelf. Man, a skier. Action figure would be so cool. Detachable without arm. an arm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Swap out the, well, the full length arm. You for can a have stump. one. Well, well, yeah, yeah. You can just pop a pop a drain gear arm on there. Oh, oh so yeah, cool. I forgot about that. That was some cool artwork. How he yeah. had the viney arm. Yep. All right. Uh, on June 29th. Uh, Kevin Scott's novel, The Rising Storm Drops, and uh, basically sounds like the Nile are going to crash the Republic Fair. And of course, I'm all in for this one. Um, the, I think the adult novels tend to carry the most water for the franchise. So again, I doubt anybody here is going to miss this book. But no. one thing I'm really looking forward to in this book is the introduction of Ty Yorick former Jedi turned monster hunter. And she got a, a profile this week on uh, the star Wars YouTube channel. And she looks like she's going to be one of the most fascinating uh, characters to come out of this era. I, I can't wait to see the dynamic she brings because yep. I, she sounds so unique within the, well, just, I don't even know if she's Jedi anymore, but she's totally unique as a force user, maybe kind of halftime Jedi. I can't wait to meet her. Yeah. Can't do it. Can't wait. It definitely seems like an Ahsoka situation there. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Very much. And and you know, Kevin Scott and his fascination with monsters and, and monster Bet. killers. This is my God. And we'll we'll see this a lot in this uh phase two or wave wave two? Wave two. I don't know anymore. This is come on and be specific, Kyle. It's wave two. <laughs> uh Kevin Scott's name comes up a lot. Yeah. You know, speaking of carrying water, uh, the wave two has got Kevin Scott all over it. Uh, so yeah, the rising storm's coming up pretty soon, a couple months time. Definitely going to be all over this one, and we'll try to break my record <laughs> for reading a novel because this this one sounds super interesting. Um, yeah, I gotta say, I I every time I hear Ty Ty Yurik, I I can't help but think of Ben Yurik. I don't know what. <laughs> It's like, no, stop thinking about Daredevil, Nathan. <laughs> Wrong, Wrong universe. universe. It's just, I don't know. I can't, I can't separate those two names. They're too close. Ty Yorick, Ben Yorick. <laughs> anyway. Easy mistake. Sorry. Easy mistake to make. <laughs> uh, Marie, 
you guys, you're both in for this book, of course. Oh, oh yeah. Like this is it's a, it's one of those day one purchase kind of things. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I uh, yeah. It, it's uh it's interesting because, I mean, we see, we're hearing about the Republic Fair throughout uh, several of the books, um, but it seems like it's something that and it makes sense, but it's happening concurrently on different planets because i mean you can't have the entire galaxy come to coruscant but uh i mean that's such a cool idea that like it's one of those things i can't believe has not been done before where you have this big celebration that's happening simultaneously throughout the galaxy like it's uh like i guess the closest thing would be like empire day but uh yeah and not everybody's I think it's a happy great idea it's a yeah, it's a great way to paint a target <laughs> on a lot of people's oh, backs. That too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So yeah, that reads us to uh, race to Crash Point Tower that comes also at the end of June from I'll just DJO Daniel Jose Older, and it, it features Yay. young Padawan Ram Jamaram who discovers some <laughs> sabotage and some communications <laughs> gear uh, on the same planet where the Republic Fair is about to happen. And so yada, 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 he's got to go warn the Jedi about the sabotage and save the day. Uh, and that's, you know, that's sort of in the same league of, of story, I think, as uh, Test of Courage. So I think, yeah, yeah those, I think those books will go hand in hand together in terms of Middle tone. Grade, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, DJO, he's not done. He is continuing on with the, the IDW High Republic Adventures. Uh, number six is dropping also in early July. Court and Farzala, I love Farzala, such a good boy, <laughs> uh, leave their Padawan friends to join Leox Giasi and the crew of the vessel. On I know I love uh, that they're so taking those characters and putting them in a comic. I think that's so cool. Yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. Like, if you like these characters and you, you know, if, if you try to build this map in your brain of what the vessel looks like, and the vessel, I think, is so far like the Millennium Falcon of of this era it's hard to build a picture of it in your mind now you're gonna no. see it so go pick yeah <laughs> and they're an independent operation now so oh mm -hmm. yeah we could we could literally see the vessel show up in any story because they can go wherever they want yeah and and, and leox so is cool. he's like he's a likable a-hole in a way like he, he, i I'm, love him he's great he's one of my favorite characters so far he's just he's uh I mean, I'm trying to find another character from any other property to kind of describe him. Like he's, I think Han Solo is sort of just, his closest sort of relative. He's like Wars. a new age Han Solo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause he's very metaphysical. And... Yeah. He's a hippie Han yeah, Solo. He, yeah. He's hippie Han. <laughs> like he's, he's, yeah. you know, Han. Had Whoa, no problem. little buddy. <laughs> little, yeah. little bit. Like that. That's a <laughs> little bit. That's the other thing. It Like uh, I listened to some of the uh, some of the audiobooks to get through some of these stories while I was at work. And man, as usual, like Mark Thompson, the voice he chose for Marcian Rowe that gets carried into into the dark. Oh my god, it's it is so unsettling and creepy. It it gives me the vibes of um um Oh, what's his name? Uh, 
The guy who played Penguin in Gotham. Robin Lord Taylor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Robin Lord Taylor. Like that's that's the quality it has, and it's such so so unsettling and not what you expect from a Star Wars villain. Uh, yeah, that's cool. It's, I, I haven't heard any of the audio so, stuff, but I, I that makes me curious because yeah, I, it's so good. It's worth checking out just just to hear it, and because I can't imagine reading Martian in a book and uh, not hearing that voice. Um, but also, the voice that he does for Leox is is hysterical. <laughs> How could it not? It be? is so funny. Well, Mark Thompson doesn't do it. I can't remember the uh, uh, the guy who does it for uh, Into the Dark, but yeah, he chooses it. Chose a, a great voice for Leox. It's it's hilarious. Space hippie Han. That's that's kind of what he is. Like he's stoned yeah. all the time on spice. Oh yeah, that's how he plays. It. That's how he plays it. <laughs> he, he's, he's always got his feet up on the console. But like med- medicinal spice. Don't forget. Right, of course. And which turned out to be true. I told you it was medicinal. <laughs> yeah, okay, you're right. Fine, you got, you got. No, he's he's, he's cool. And I, I like at the end of Into the Dark where he sort of he's. You would think that you know, as the pilot of the vessel, he would be the captain of the vessel, and it would be his ship. But he's like, nope, it's her. Like she, her name's on the manifest. It's hers. It's he hands the ship to like the seventeen-year-old girl. She's the captain. I'm the pilot. And oh, what a like you know, what a righteous thing to do! It's like, wait a sec, I see through you. You're a slacker. That's all. You just don't. Nah. <laughs> You're lazy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, Justina Ireland, she's back July twenty second with Out of the Shadows, and we'll meet a new character called Sylvestri Yarrow, uh, and we'll get caught up with Jedi Vernestra Rowe, her Padawan Imri. And Wreath from Into the Dark, uh, doing more of that crisscrossing and passing back and forth of characters thing. Um, Loving it. Uh, very much looking forward. This seem, almost seems to be like a, uh, almost like a crossroads kind of story. Where, it's kind of a round robin kind of thing where you're, you know, it's a hot potato of characters. Yeah, like everybody's sort of into the pool on this one. Yeah. And But I, I did not get a sense of what, age group this particular story is geared at probably middle grade if i had to guess uh, I'm uh not sure. 13 plus young adult novel from disney lucasfilm press young adult okay yeah so that's middle grade so when i saw the picture before of, of 13 the cover, plus would be middle grade yeah when i when i saw the picture of the cover before reading the synopsis my first reaction was because of the mix of characters i'm like is that avon but have we jumped like five years ahead <laughs> what? What are, we, what are we doing here? And then, oh, it's not. It's Sylvester. Great. Yeah, I was I was a little confused by that too. And you know, we, we oh, don't talk I... about Avon at all, but you know, she's she is a firecracker of a character. She was cool, cool as hell. I love yeah. her. Oh, uh, and I'm, you know, at some point, I'm sure we'll come back to her. But again, um. You know, actually, Avon doesn't seem to appear in any of the... Uh, I know, uh, I was sad. Yeah, no Wave 2 content featuring Avon Staros that we know of. But I'm, su- I'm sure she'll be back. Like, she was she was, uh, she was, was too cool to just leave leave at one story. Yeah, you're going to give her time to get into trouble. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, I, suppose. Um, I feel and- like she could get into a lot of trouble at that fair. 
That's true. Yeah. Oh, I think, I think tr- with the Staros family, I think Trouble will find them. Eh, yeah. Uh, okay, so talking about how Kevin well, Scott... Well, you gotta remember, too, her, her mother's a senator, so maybe she's oh, gonna yeah, be yeah, uh, yeah. kept close at home after uh, the trouble she got into just recently. Right. Okay, so uh, we talked about how Kevin Scott was doing a lot of heavy lifting for this phase. Well, um, now he's got he's gonna have an audio drama coming out called Tempest Runner, which will give us a look at uh, the life of Lorna D. Which another there's a, there's another great Twilight name for you. <laughs> it's neither French nor alien. No, but it, uh, it works better. I think it's closer to it's closer to a Harris Sandula. Than Loden Great Storm. Yeah, it's it's honestly it's just like the English words in the last name that are the biggest problem. Like Great Storm, it doesn't. Or sorry, basic words. Eh. I don't know. It just doesn't work for a Twilight. I get what you mean. I think it's a great name. I just wish it wasn't for a Twilight. It's a human Jedi name. Like let's let's just call it yeah. as it is. Anyway, so uh, Lorna D in a story called Tempest Runner. What a shock. Uh, and this will come out at the end of August. And um, I wonder if this was, I don't know how this came about. I have to imagine that as he was writing some of the other stuff uh, and working with Charles Soule, that uh, some backstory from uh, Lorna D's history had to have got fleshed out and said, hey, we can turn this into a story. But I, I don't know what purpose this will serve other than to give us, um, you know, a, a good inside look at the Nile and, and leading a tempest. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause you, you almost kind of think that if they were going to do another one of these audio dramas for the high Republic, and I'm sure they'll do more, but you'd almost expect that these would be the big event stories, you know, like the, the big climactic crashes of, of each phase, they would do one of these audio dramas. That's kind of what, ha- what I would expect. Because, you know, you've got a full cast of characters and a full performance with sound effects and music. You'd think it's the more sort of cinematic medium of all of these. You'd almost expect that to be the big, your big showstopper. Yeah. You know? that, and yeah, and you charge 40, 50 bucks for it, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, they, they or one audible credit. <laughs> or that. Yeah. One real quick thing about Lorna D., I am so disturbed by the description of her that she has emaciated Leku. Yeah. How do, how do you like why? Ugh, why that that might reminds me of Beezer Fortuna in Rogue One, his skinny little Leku. Yeah, it's, how does that even happen? Like malnourished like liposuction, your Le- Leku or. <laughs> Yeah, like what are Leku made of? Like it's not muscle because they don't really move them. Like they twitch them, but they don't move them. So presumably it's just like fat and blood vessels. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I mean, neither that fortunate guy or Lorna D. I don't know that they live particularly luxurious lives. Yeah, Yeah, maybe maybe spice emaciates your Leku. No, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, yes. I mean, the Nile are creepy. I mean, if they were given the the appearance of being healthy, vibrant people, they're less threatening when they're desiccated and decrepit. 
Maybe maybe sure. the most effective place to inject spice is your leku. Uh-huh. Directly to your brain. Oh yeah, right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we get to something interesting. The original manga story called Edge of Balance by Justina Ireland Ooh. and Shima Shinya with art from Mizuki Sakigabara. I'm gonna, Dave's going to kill me for this one. Jeez, sorry, man. <laughs> um, it deals with Jedi Knight Lily Tori Asi as she helps survivors of the Great Disaster relocate to a new planet. And of course, the Drengir, the Nile show up uh, to cause trouble. And there's hints of other trouble as well. And I've never dabbled in any Star Wars manga to this point, but this in, this this is going to almost certainly be on my list. And I'm I'm going to guess it's the same thing for you both. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, hopefully Dave will actually be able to get this one because he hasn't been able to. He's only read the comics. He hasn't been able to get the books over there in Japan. Yeah. And it's, so, it's, it's uh, too bad because I think Dave would be just gobbling this stuff up. Yeah. You know, I, I hope uh, we didn't spoil too much. Well, we spoiled a whole lot of stuff in this episode. <laughs> but like, don't take this as sort of like, ah, now I'm caught up on the High Republic. If no, you still want to go buy some stuff. It's it's really worth checking out. Yeah. For sure. It'll be the ultimate injustice if he can't even get the manga over there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lord. What a backwards world that would be. <laughs> uh, and then finally, a, a story by George Mann, who you might remember from Myths and Fables and Dark Legends, is writing Showdown at the Fair. And this is... I got to believe this is aimed at the very young readers, like the, like my kids kind of set. And it features the, yeah. the lovable Wookiee Jedi Buryaga fending off the Nile at uh, a Nile attack at, uh, at the Republic fair on the planet Valo. Um, and you know, if you bought uh, for your, if you have kids or if you bought the great Jedi rescue, it's sort of a kitty adaptation of a section of the events of the great disaster. Uh, from Light of the Jedi. So it has um, the initial sort of hyperspace disaster thing at the planet. Uh, what's what's it called? Hetzal. Hetzal, yeah. It's yeah, it's like a you know 22 page book that sort of brings that event uh, into focus. And this this story from from George Mann will probably do the same. Yeah, I don't usually buy those those you know children's books like that but uh i mean in these this case i'll take i bought the uh the other one the earlier one but uh, i'll take whatever art put to these stories that yes, i can get that's exactly well I, you know, I bought it specifically so i can let my, have my son get some reading practice but also i'm like huh i'm also going to get to see i, I don't think i'd seen what a, uh, a a jedi what are the ships called their cruisers the uh oh. factors Vectors, no, the yeah. vectors I'd seen. Those are like the little fighters that sort of. Oh, the light, light. Uh... The long beam. Long, long beam. Yeah. Like, what does that cruiser look like? And you see, there's great illustrations of of the long beam cruisers in in this picture book. So, if in that regard, yeah, it's it's you know they're worth the few bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that jumps out to me on, on this whole list of of wave two stories. No Charles Soule, no Claudia Gray. Yeah, that's gonna be uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And those I, are I, the those are the heavy hitters, really. Yeah, yeah. I I I don't know if Claudia Gray has said anything publicly on her Twitter feed about it, but in his monthly newsletter, 
uh, Charles Soule did confirm that he's not done with High Republic. So he's coming back. Uh, we just don't know when and where. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. You know, you can you can only write so fast. But at the same time, the books were delayed six months. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, that, I mean, this, this is a whole thing going on. And Ke- uh, Kevin Scott is really... This he's pulling pulling really all the weight here, or most of oh, it. Oh yeah, and uh, I I have no uh, reservations about the quality of his work. I mean he's he's fantastic, and I think I think it's the the you know the High Republic is still in great hands, and even without uh, projects from Soul and Gray, I, it, I'm still extremely excited to see what we're gonna get. Yeah, I want to see Justina Ireland do a bit more on the adult side. I think yeah. there's things going on in her brain that would really flourish if she was given like the full reign to go down like the adult street, so, so to speak. Mm-hmm. One of the things I'd like that she did in test of courage, which doesn't happen a lot in star Wars is where uh, a Padawan is going right down the dark side path and mm-hmm. ends up like picking a fight with, uh, his, you know, with the other with Vernestra just because he's pissed and by the end of the story not not only did he not get really punished for it but she took him on as as her padawan once he sort of got his head right and so yeah. that, you know there's there's a bit of uh grace and atonement that was given towards Imri that will make him a, a really cool character going forward and I would love to have seen that sort of thing I, I would love to see Justina play with that more in sort of the uh more grown-up space if she gets to go there because if if Kevin Scott's carrying most of the water for uh, for Wave Two, like she's right there behind him. She's got a couple stories coming here too. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. that story was great. You know, it's almost like uh, punishment doesn't have to be a part of justice. What a concept! You know, mm-hmm. some people can be reformed if they don't get if you don't let them get too far down a lousy path. Yeah. Okay, so that's, yeah, I really liked that story. Yeah, it was it was a fun story. It, it was you know it was, it was great to kind of take that in with my kid, and she loved it, and she's looking forward to to next stories, and she, she I, she's kind of digging the, the High Republic stuff, you know, without the shackles of having to know all this all this other ancillary stuff and all these. No, just this is its own Star Wars story. Have fun with it, and, and she, you know, I've let her flip through my IDW comics, and she. Like she loves all the all the girl characters that are coming out, like Lula, uh, Lula Tally Sola. Like she, I, yeah. My my daughter just gets such a a bump when she sees a girl running around with a lightsaber. She loves Avar mm. Chris. Like she wants to. I sh- I showed her a picture of of somebody who had cosplayed as Avar Chris, and she's like, and my daughter was like, oh, I want to do that for Halloween. <laughs> no. Yeah, if I can, if I can help you get an Avar Chris costume together, like we'll do it. Like people will just say, like, ah, she's a, she's a Jedi, but no, like she's gonna be Avar Chris, which would be super cool if we can pull it off. Mm. That's awesome. Oh, the Jedi robes. Oh, they're so good. Like, I wasn't sure how I would feel about it when they, you know, they first started talking about it, and I was like. Oh yeah, but does that really, you know, is this going to be a bad thing, you know, for the Jedi to be wearing ornate clothes and what, you know, that kind of stuff? But man, I'm I'm liking it a lot more than I thought I would. 
Like it's, I'm loving those designs with the, you know, the embroidered, the embroidered tunics and that kind of stuff. And oh, yes, so good. similar reaction. For, like I, I'm bothered by it less than I thought I would be. Like when I first started seeing the concept <laughs> art, I'm like, oh, I mean, do you really have to glam these the Jedi up like this with the layers and the colors and the gold inlay and all this stuff? Like really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess it says it speaks to something about the order at this point and about the Republic and where they all are. Maybe they're all bored. And why not just make our costumes look amazing? Because yeah. it, when, you, when you look at the prequel era Jedi, they're much more drab and, and sort of toned down. So I'm sure there's some sort of story element that will take us from the glam of the High Republic to the drab <laughs> of the Skywalker era. But uh, yeah, let, now we get to speculate. Let's where Murray, where is all this going? I know Nathan's got his some very specific ideas, so I'm going to let you go first because Nathan might do like a Corey thing and just go on for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one thing I thought was really interesting in Go Together Part Two, so the Star Wars Insider short story, was that um, that there's that Admiral Cronara is putting together a task force to hunt down the remaining Nile, and he uh, taps Joss and Pika Adrin to be a part of that task force. So I really hope that I know we didn't see anything about that in the the wave two descriptions but i'm really hoping they carry that thread through and we get to see more of jocelyn pika and admiral cronara um doing that task force i think that would be pretty cool um and i i really like how and it, it uh, well there's positives and negatives but the fact that wave one was all about the legacy run disaster. And so you get multiple stories all taking place during the exact same time period. Um, just covering different characters on different planets and all that. I, I did get to a point where I was like, okay, let's move forward. I want to know where we're going from here, because if I get another legacy run disaster story, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit, overburdened so uh, it is interesting that this next wave is also going to do the same thing but focusing around the republic fair so i did enjoy it though it's just towards the end there were so many stories all taking place around the same thing mm -hmm. but um the way that they do it i think is really cool how it's it's not you read this then you read this and you read this it's like well you read this and then you read the prologue of this and then you read the epilogue of this and then the main story and then you go back like because it's all so intermeshed um i think that's so cool um it, it would have been and it would have been impossible to do it the other way, which would have been like, so in the adult novel, you start out and then you go to the middle grade novel and then you go to the young adult novel, like people wouldn't buy books that way. So that wouldn't work. Um, so I like the way they're doing it and being around the Republic Fair, I think will be really interesting. It 
it reminds me, and I think there will be a lot of world building. It reminds me of the Starlight Beacon, how they have all those biomes and how they have the different art styles from different or different artistry from different planets. Um, just getting to know all these planets and their about their habitats and about their culture. And so I'm over the moon about learning more about planetary particulars. Yeah, no, you're right. And with the shift from the great disaster to this Republic fair, that's being teased in phase two. I, I, you know, I get it. And I, I love this idea. I love the, the idea of a Republic fair and it makes like sort of like sense because the chancellor, Lena. So she's, she's very ambitious and, and gung ho about bringing the galaxy together and, and outreach and all this stuff. But I, you know, I get a sense that we'll see some of our own history re- reflected in this sort of, um, this this fair like we you know we have these world fairs and and particularly like some of the famous ones from you know the turn of the 20th century you know iron man 2 baby yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um it's 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 like this outreach program right where like here comes the wealthy republic to colonize we're going to save you all right and and there's this great expansion and all this um you know, we are the Republic stuff. We are, we are all the Republic, the, the, sort of like the mantra that they all share. It's all yeah. well-intentioned uh, by the Chancellor. But I, you know, I, I think we're going to see that, you know, like some of the things that we see in the Skywalker era, like like places like Tatooine still not being part of the Republic and where you know, apathy and crime and slavery, all that stuff was still able to thrive. So I think we're going to hmm. see this well-intentioned outreach fail and it's going to be interesting to see how that how that how that fails yeah it definitely seems definitely seems like there's a big expansion and then contraction so yeah either right like, either yeah either uh, a contraction like you say or it just falls flat and it just stalls so i'm, I'm interested to see where where they take that because that seems like it'll be pretty interesting um pretty interesting material to cover there and i think i think we'll learn that sort of like uh, the Republic's ambitions, or at least the Chancellor's ambitions and good intentions, outstrip sort of the capabilities of the Republic, and that there's bad people are going to get in there and poison the well and ruin the whole thing for the for the entire galaxy for many years to come. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. We've already seen we saw in the flashback and in Into the Dark that the Huts are already trying to you know twenty five years prior. Uh, the huts were already trying to sabotage Republic expansion. So I think we might see, uh, you know, organized crime, even, even apart from the Nile, I think, you know, we might see the hut cartel and, and some of the other organized crime of the galaxy trying to uh, fight against Republic expansion. Yeah. And then the, uh, it'll be really a key, I think, to see the Nile play into that as well. Cause they more than anything just you know they, they like to smash and grab and take what they want but they don't want mm-hmm. the republic anywhere near their their part of space so they're gonna right definitely try and thwart this expansion in any way they can and now that now to add to that they want revenge on the jedi for taking out a bunch of of nile 
soldiers and forces. So, yeah, they're going to be on the move. And so <laughs> to learn that even that they're going to be teaming up at a certain point, there's some real uh, potential for some crazy up and down conflict here. I'm I'm super looking forward to it. But Nathan, I'm really looking forward to where you think this is going because I think you've spent a lot of time thinking about it. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, first of all, I, I was kind of expecting them to find a Krakoan gate on the Amaxian station. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Could, th- these are these are two like huge IP. You've got the X Men and Star Wars, both with you know big writers' room collaborative narrative projects and all heavily influenced by plants <laughs> it's like uh, is there something in the water like what's going on but anyway joking aside no i i i definitely think that um you know thinking about and we've heard in several interviews the uh the writers say this but you know the starting point for the high republic was what are the jedi afraid of mm-hmm. And, you know, that's sort of open to interpretation and different people are going to have different answers to that question, I think. But I think after reading these stories, a big theme seems to be, um, you know, are the Jedi afraid of a schism? Because we've had a lot of a surprising number of Jedi versus Jedi lightsaber battles and we've had a lot of different jedi um questioning the order and walking away from the order you know we just got introduced to another one ty ty yorick mm-hmm. she's not a jedi anymore she walked away from the order everybody thinks she's dead what's she been doing why did she leave you know orla, orla is a uh, way, way seeker, seeker. Right. so you know she, we see uh um, Cormac, Cormac, is it Master no. Comac? Comac, Comac. Uh, yeah, you know he he was questioning the order in uh, um, in um, uh, a test of courage, you know, and into the dark. It, it, all over the place, we have these these Jedi that are questioning the Council. You know, even Yoda is you know for different reasons, but he's he's taking a leave of absence from the council. And it's, it's sort of like the Jedi's greatest enemy, the Sith rose out of a schism between, you know, in the Jedi. Is that what they're most afraid of? And is that what's what, where we're headed? A great split in the Jedi order. Mm. Where we see a sect break off, you know, and you know we've we've been seeing this we've seen this several times, uh, you know, the Ordu Espectu, in yeah, yeah, Doctor Afra, you know, it's uh, it, it's a thing that seems to keep happening to the Jedi, and is that you know who could take on the Jedi but the Jedi themselves. Is that who they're afraid of? Is that what they're afraid of? Yeah. And it seems to me that there are a lot of hints that that could be where we're headed. I I do agree. Like one of the things I'm thinking is when they pose that question, what what are the Jedi afraid of? Schism is one way to put it. Themselves is the other. Yeah. Yeah. They may not know it yet. 
because it's 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 really difficult as we eventually learn through Anakin is that it's really difficult to keep these super powered people in this in, like all of them on the same straight and narrow. It, yep, and it's it's uh, another example is Skier. Look at what's happening with Skier now. Of course, he's under the influence of the Drengear, but obviously they're taking advantage of his trauma. You know that that was their yeah. End his trauma. So, you know, we've, we've just had the great, the great disaster and we've lost a lot of Jedi and it's likely that we're going to lose more. Is this collective trauma going to result in Mm. a division within the Jedi order? And, you know, I mean, I, this isn't proof, but you, you go back and you look at the connections in master and apprentice and, um, and Tuku Jedi lost to the High Republic. And you look at characters like uh, um, Wraith, you know, and doesn't still doesn't tell the Jedi line, but he seems to be, he and Dooku and Qui-Gon seem to be more in line with the Jedi of the High Republic than the modern Jedi Order of their time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is that sort of a remnant of the split? Maybe it was a split, but then in the end, it's a coming back together. And maybe that's why uh, we see a more sort of fundamentalist Jedi Order during the times in the movies, in the prequels, than we do during the High Republic. You know, maybe we have a much more sort of liberal Jedi Order in the high Republic and because of what happens uh, when everything is resolved, we see the Jedi order sort of reign everybody in, you know, you, you can't uh, have a greater focus on uh, even less attachment and sort of more focus on the attachment than, um, you know, because that's another thing we've gotten in, I think we got it in into the dark and we, we saw hints of it in uh, light of the Jedi where no sex is fine. It's just attachment, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in the, in the movies, you know, there's no way it's all that Obi-Wan tisk. is going to like, you know, uh, you know, it's, it, it's probably, you know, he probably did with Satine, but again, he was Qui-Gon's apprentice who was more of a high Republic-minded Jedi, so he could probably get away with it. But, you know, Yoda would never allow that. So, it's, it, I don't know, it's very interesting. And it's also I think it's also very appropriate that Dooku was born during the High Republic. Yeah, he was born at the tail end of it. Ultimately. Yeah, ultimately he left the Jedi Order, so he he continues that theme. So I I don't know. I think that's probably where where it's going. No, that that that, and it makes sense because I think you know we talked about this earlier. But the Jedi as an order, they've never been pushed. This group of Jedi have Mm -hmm. never really been uh, confronted with any serious threat before, and they never lost. At least we don't know. I don't think that they've lost significant numbers of their ranks as quickly as they're losing them in this series. And well, I, I mean, even, the order. 
the Sith were wiped out even before Yoda's time. I mean, the greatest conflict that we know of would have been the Mandalorian Wars. Right. And even that's which are probably years before this. Probably, yeah, 300 years. You know, I think I think somewhere it says that they were it was 500 years before before the prequels or whatever. But yeah, I mean, and Mandalorians are going to be a very different threat than uh, the Nile who, you know, aren't really fighting for a purpose other right. than individuality and selfishness. And, you know, if you. Take the George Lucas approach. There's nothing more dark side than living only for yourself. Um, and then, of course, you know we've had the Drengear, and it seems that they're going to become an increasingly uh, difficult threat for the Jedi to face. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know that the Mandalorian, and I, I guess the Mandalorian wars were. I don't know if they were primarily with the Jedi. Like, was it a, this is another problem. We don't know. Uh, was it sort of a quarrel with the Jedi or were the Mandalorians actually trying to take over the Republic or, <laughs> you know, what was actually going on there? But I still maintain that that those Jedi Mandalorian wars are still going to be big screen movie stuff at some point. I hope so. I mean, we've been hearing about them for years and it's just ripe for for big screen action oh, goodness gracious my god that would be just mind-blowing yeah. stuff but yeah i i agree that there's there's stuff in here for the where the jedi as an order they get challenged they get pushed and and emotions that these people have never had to deal with mm-hmm. come up because they've never had to deal with it before to watch your master yeah. or, your, or your your partner get killed off in battle and suddenly you're met with this emotion that you've never had to deal with before mm-hmm. and the jedi has the, the order of the jedi sort of either clamp down on all that and say nope don't no, none of that don't feel anything guys yeah and there might be some people go like comac going no this it's it's healthy to process this stuff you know societally we're at a point now where uh, trauma and grief and, and uh, mental anguish is stuff that we, you know, for a long time, we just sort of push it down, push it down. Mm-hmm. Don't deal with it. It's that's going to be one of those things that the, the authors will probably want to weave into the story as a, you know, like a mirror to ourselves kind of thing. So I, mm-hmm. that, that's me part of it for sure. The Jedi are going to definitely uh, get kicked in the ass as an, as an order in this series by the time it's all said and done. I'm I'm totally convinced of that. And, Mm-hmm. Talking about how the, the the Jedi and Nile will team up at some point. Cross pollination. Yeah. What is <laughs> what will the Nile impart on the Jedi? Like you can see a situation where um, Wreath and Nan are part of that team up, and mm-hmm. yeah, is there sort that'd be cool? Is could there be a, like a romance in the works there? You know, could could almost like a, a, a Romeo and Juliet type of romance where mm-hmm. Wreath sort of uh, by osmosis takes on some characteristics from from Nile beliefs. And then that sort of infests its way like a virus through through the Jedi order in, mm-hmm. in some ways. You know, n- nobody's doing anything sort of untoward or with malice, but it's just like this yeah. this 
you know, they're all very natural human type of emotions that just happen through conflict and, and something is going to cause lots of fault lines through the order at some point very soon. Well, I think of too, you know, a lot of the, it's a lot of most, uh, most, I guess, of the Jedi that have received these, um, you know, the visions of these dark visions, you know, uh, the warning, like Elzar man gets at the end of light of the Jedi and Comac and Orla. And then I guess that's what happens with skier. Is it at the end of, or at the end of the first issue of the comic, he gets this sort of dark vision. I can't remember of, of some threat. They see, what is it like? They see eyes in the, in oh, anyway. Yeah. 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 Something, yeah, yeah. Something in that, in that it vein. seems that those are sort of the, those differently thinking Jedi, the Jedi who either are questioning or would be more prone to question the order. And I, I think about like the relationship they've set up between Avar and Elzar, and you know the mm. the sort of the the underlying romance to their yeah of their relationship and and whatever. Yeah, you like know, they would they would totally do it if. They weren't under this mandate to not do it. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, kind of, they kind of acknowledge of, it, right? They're like, yeah, but, you know, we can't. Yeah, when we were young, when we were Padawans, you know, we fooled around, but <laughs> can't do that anymore. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you think about it. Avar is the new marshal of Starlight, Starlight Beacon. Elzar, you know, his entire or his primary character trait is that he thinks about things differently and he sees the force differently and he likes to experiment with the force. And, you know, the, the other Jedi and the council are uncomfortable sometimes with how far he pushes the force and that kind of thing. Mm. Mm -hmm. I could kind of see the sort of core division of the high Republic being between Avar and Elzar, where maybe Elzar takes the Jedi um, and starts that separate sect. You know, that's where the division begins, and sort of, you know, maybe maybe Wreath and and Comac uh, are divided in that way, and maybe you know, it 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 could go any number of ways, but maybe these visions are the Jedi who receive these visions recognize that there's a greater threat coming. And the the other Jedi are ignoring it. Yeah, it, uh, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of ways. This that's the exciting thing. This could go so many different ways. Mm. But uh, there's, I think, there's a lot of opportunity for that division within the Jedi. Yeah, like one one thing I think we'll see at a certain point is one prominent member of of the Jedi going dark side permanently. Like, yeah, they're going to turn, and and you know, again. What mark does do that? Does that leave on the order? Do people kind of say, mm -hmm. "Well, that person went dark," and I, you know, I like that person. I've always liked that person. Maybe they're onto something. Maybe I can go down that road, mm. but not be so dark. And it's just uh, discord, yeah. discord all over mm -hmm. the place. And and that you know, what would that do? Would that cause the Jedi to, as whatever's left of the of the order, to like really close ranks and and put like really enforce the rules and like this is the code if you are not on board you're out you know get out of here mm -hmm. go 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 follow the max scenes somewhere else get out of here yeah you know we, we haven't 
really spoken much about the Republic itself. Like, and I know that the Jedi and the Republic are kind of intertwined and will be definitely uh, joined at the hippus at one point. But the, the Republic of this era, uh, it's definitely different from the Republic that we know. It doesn't seem like the craven place that uh, that it is by the time we get to the Skywalker era. Like it, mm-hmm. se- it seems like a much more noble place. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And it's, it's by the, by the time it's over, like you would think that, you know, like, like there's no real Republic army. Like that's kind of saved for like what a Republic army in attack of the clones. Like we can't, we've never had this. We can't have this now. Why? So, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, 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 you know, I think that there's going to be a point it's where still the sort of the decided. Republic security force or whatever at this point. Yeah, like I, th- I think at some point, again, like the army thing will be saved for, has to be saved for Attack of the Clones now. But at some yeah. point, I think the the Republic will make a choice to toughen up because the the Nile are just going to keep attacking and keep attacking, and there's only so much. Uh, what was his name, Admiral Cronara? Yeah, there's only so much he can do, right? There's there's only so so much a defense force can really do. At some point, they're gonna have to toughen yeah. up and say, "Oh, we, you know, we gotta militarize here a little bit." And I, I think that's that's gonna be in the cards too. Well, that's another really interesting thing is that you can kind of see the uh, the seeds of corruption in the Republic, where you know who is the big um, who is the the real enemy in um, the Phantom Menace? It's the Trade Federation, and what is the theme that starts there is that the trade federation is sort of at the core of corruption within the Republic. And, uh, what is the big issue in light of the Jedi is the great disaster, the shutdown of hyperspace lanes, the ceasing of trade operations. Right. And the, one of the big things in light of the Jedi is that you have the, it was the trade minister or, or, yeah, I think it's the trade minister or transport minister or whatever it is. You know, he's constantly the the worry wart, and he's like, "We've got to open, <laughs> we've got to open the trade routes again." And you got to wonder, well, is that where the trade federation begins? You know, it's it's these special interests all collectively trying to prevent that from ever happening again. So they're infiltrating the government. They're they're buying off politicians to try to make sure that the ceasing of trade, even for a good reason, like a the like the great disaster, the legacy run disaster, we're gonna make sure that never happens again because we just we were bleeding profit for weeks. <laughs> hours. We lost yeah. profit for hours, and that can't happen. <laughs> yeah. So is that is that where the is this where the corruption begins in the in the mm. Republic in the Senate? You know, I I do hope they go yeah. deeper into that at some point. Like they really, I really hope they do. Like, and I really want to. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think you know, uh, uh, Lena So, at face value to this point, I think we can. I, I I believe that she's a good chancellor. She's a good person, and she has sort of everybody's best interests at heart. And I, I want to see somebody go and subvert her 
uh, you know, or bring her term to an end and get replaced with somebody a little with with uh, a little less of a moral compass mm. and just somebody who can just really almost like a Loki type where you're like, okay, yeah, he's got a great smile. Look at that guy. But he's really mm-hmm. in it for himself and he's really going to make chaos eventually. So I a hope Palpatine type. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say the name because I think we're too far out, but somehow a type, a Palpatine this... type. Yeah, but we're—I mean—that's what we're talking about. Like, where is this all going? And I don't need—I don't know how many firm answers we're supposed to have at this. Are we ten percent through this High Republic thing? I have no right. clue. So I don't know if we're intended to see where this is going yet. But yeah. at some point, this has got to shake hands with the Skywalker era and say, "Here's." Here's how these two eras affect one another. Yeah. And it, mm-hmm. it, it seems so clear that the Nexus character is is Palpatine. The the guy who's yeah. got one foot on the in the force and the other foot in politics. It, it you know, the, the focal point of the series so far of High Republic is Jedi, but it's called the High Republic. You yeah. Know, it, it's gotta center on that at some point and say, here's how a good republic goes bad. And that seems like mm-hmm. a very Lucasian idea. Well, and this the thing is, and I'm glad they're taking their time getting to it because, like you said earlier, we've we've had plenty of it, and it's refreshing to see a different story told. But the Sith are around; there are at least two around at this time, you know. So we know that they're meant to be working against peace and working against the Jedi and, you know, by extension, working against the Republic. They don't want a stable Republic that's just going to make their job more difficult. So the question is, what is the part that they're playing? Because we know they have to be playing some part. Do, do you think... And, this, and this they is, have to pop up eventually. Do you think, and that's, I guess, maybe answer the question. Do you think at some point... Marie, I'm going to throw this one at you. Do, does a Sith come into the High Republic at some point? Like, will a Sith character be a part of one of these High Republic stories at some point? There's got to be because of the TV show coming out. Mm. Acolyte. Yeah, that's true. So at some point, there's got to be some kind of dark side force user that's not a plant that... <laughs> that um. <laughs> comes out and or or at least is behind the scenes or lurking in the underground you know something um if they're gonna make a tv show on that so i and i'm stoked for that show like that's my jam um so i and i i think it would be really interesting to get some plagueis action Oh, can you even imagine? Oh, yeah. my God. Well, that actually, be... it's supposed to be, what, 50 years before? Before Phantom Menace? Uh, Phantom like Menace? That. I think, I feel like that's what's been going around. And maybe that's not set in stone. They might not even know that for sure yet. I mean, it's still being being written as far as I know. But, uh, I mean, it's definitely plausible. And Well, I, I think uh, also Kevin Scott said that uh, the Acolyte show is not necessarily the end point of the High Republic series of stories. It's yeah. just, it's just mm. a story set in that era, but it's, it is nice. edging close to the Skywalker era. So if it, if, yeah. if 
And I think you can play with what Kevin Scott said. He could just mean like, no, we're still going to be telling High Republic stories once the Acolyte comes out. Yeah. Or it can be read as no stories. High Republic stories will continue in the timeline after Acolyte. I don't think there's clarity on that. Yeah. You think about it, it it's possible that we could see a young Dooku in Acolyte. Oh, young Palpatine, <laughs> young young Dooku. He's around. Uh, 50 years before, Dooku's around. He's a Padawan. Yeah, he'd be a young, young guy. Well, yeah, he'd be in his 20s, right? Or so? Mm-hmm. Imagine if younger. imagine if Plagueis had tried to recruit Dooku oh. before Palpatine. You know, if, if I mean, we it, it seems like we would have heard about that in uh, in Jedi Fallen Order, but or, or Jedi uh, Dooku Jedi Lost. Um, but yeah, that would that would be a cool story. I'm just I'm just waiting for the for the story that. Puts the Sant the, the great 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 grandpa Santecas those rich old bastards sort of yeah. in league with the planet Sereno. I'm just waiting mm. for that sort of connection to happening. Oh man, now, now like Dooku is connected to the Santecas in an indirect way, and mm. there's so many interesting little connections they can make that would just make so much sense. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there definitely have to be Sith operating. I mean, they wouldn't be a very good Sith if they were just hiding, doing nothing, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you know, Palpatine, I am all the Jedi except that lazy one from 200 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, they have to be influenced because it, they have to be pissed that the Republic and the Jedi are doing so well. And you know that they're going to seize this opportunity, you know, this of, of this unstable, you know, or about to be unstable Republic and Jedi Order. You know, imagine the glee of the Sith Lord that's around when the Jedi are split in two. Well, that, and maybe <laughs> that's know? it. Maybe they are just sitting around going, the bigger they are, the you know, the harder they fall kind of thing. And it's just a matter of yeah. time before they destroy themselves. Like, I that's know true. And. And the the thing is, you want an unstable republic, but you want a big republic because the bigger the republic, the bigger the empire you can pull out of that. <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's more for you to seize. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, one of the early reaches when we first started speculating on High Republic two years ago, and it feels like now is, oh, are the Sith pulling the Nile strings? You know, Darth Nihilus. Is there sort of like a little nod happening? Is is not? I, I don't think it's that specific, but. Mm. Um, in the background, at some point, we'll, would we see that you know Plagueis is? So, you know, we've also we, like we've heard that Mark Marchion Rowe is not necessarily the boss of all the Nile. Mm -hmm. You know, there could there might be. It sounds like there's space above him for a, a a real puppet master, and is that the the way for uh, a Sith to work his way in? Yeah. Yeah, I. This is the thing. I mean, uh, the sort of natural reach is like is Martian a Sith, which I don't think is the case because he sort of inherited uh, his position from his father, and I think yeah. even from his grandmother. Yeah, he, I, he so almost, as, as doesn't as seem he is, like, like he seems like a fake to me. Yeah, like he's got no real power. Like he knows he's not really in charge, but he holds the the trump card because of. 
um, what was her name? God, Mari. Mari. Yeah, Mari. Mari Santeca in their in her back to tank in the bedroom. Like that's his. Yeah. That's that's his ace in the hole, and that's where his. That's where all of his successes and power comes from. Oh, but Kyle, it's not a back to tank. It would be a Colto tank because back to hasn't been invented yet. All oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> my lore notes sorry sorry (laughs) but yeah i mean i think we could speculate all day on this uh but for sure we're i think this is going to be a real prominent piece of star wars storytelling at some point that it's it's going to be great to see how this sort of meshes with with the era in front of us and you know one thing i'm relieved about is that it has not leaned too heavily like when we learned yoda was coming into this thing Oh man, like fine, I get it, but I hope they don't overuse him, and they really haven't. Mm-hmm. He's been no. mentioned a few times. He's been in the series. He was in that uh, VR game, which mm-hmm. I mean, you can probably count on both hands how many people have have played it. I've I've seen it played. <laughs> yeah, uh... and apparently it's kind of cool, but yeah, um, it, it's one of those almost forgotten bits of storytelling but they haven't leaned on on yoda too hard and right they haven't really picked up too many crutches that lean into the skywalker era yet and i guess that's natural that they will at some point but they haven't and i'm relieved for that they're kind of doing their own thing uh and and i really am enjoying this this uh this side of star wars so far it's it's doing a good job of filling the void in this kind of lack of of on-screen content this is this is doing a good job of scratching the itch for me. Hmm. For sure. What if and I just thought of this, you know, a lot of people have been wondering, um, you know, are the Nile sort of the um an earlier iteration of the Cloud Riders? Hmm. Which they seem to discount in uh episode two of the High Republic show. Um but what if there's a relation between the Nile and the Knights of Ren? Because we already we're already seeing connections. You know, they're they are very sort of Nile styled. Yeah. Uh, sort of these mishmashed sort of armored mercenary type guys, but they were led, well, they seemingly they've always been led by a force user. A not sort of a Nile styled force user. Yeah. So uh, I just thought of that. What if that there could would be, be a connection there? And maybe maybe that's a result of sort of like what you were suggesting, Kyle, sort of the intermingling of maybe a sect of Jedi and the Nile. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, this this is the, the natural thing we fans do is we try to put things together that you know the thing we know with the thing we don't know so well and and, and make it work yeah it's entirely possible and probably even likely that this goes into a place that we into a place we had we had no idea it was going and has nothing to do with anything but i do like that idea and and it's a way to sort of salvage i don't want to say fix but salvage sort of the knights of ren because no fix they're they're no i mean they're nothing really they were yeah. when we heard them coming into the prequels, I was like, ooh, cool. What are the Knights of Ren? Like, great, we can move away from the Sith. Knights of Ren sound just as bad. 
Remember when JJ wanted to do a Knights of Ren movie? <laughs> I mean, oh, boy. there was a time when that sounded cool. Oh, yeah. But, like that, that whole order has been neutered. Like there's just nothing there. So maybe this is a way to build that piece of Star Wars into some kind of relevance other than a, a footnote. Right. Who knows? Like that, that that's you know that's a definitely a valid theory and a, a really cool thought. But uh, I think I'm out of cool thoughts for today. We're definitely going to come back to this uh, for yeah. sure, time and time again, because we are nowhere near done with the High Republic. Phase or Wave Two is going to come at some point, and we are going to dive head on into that. And we won't have to do this really uh, one condensed catch up episode. We can now look at the books one by one and and sort of break down and and really take our time with it so i'm looking forward to that but for this week the episode is done tumbling saber is going to close its doors for this week thank you guys so much for listening if you want to catch up with us uh all all of us we're all hanging out in the tumbling saber facebook group uh if you want to come join and if you want to be part of the podcast always the email is open at tumbling saber at gmail.com and we'll feature your thoughts and questions on an upcoming episode of the podcast um, let's give a shout out to the Facebook group. Um, we didn't, you know, we still haven't hit the high. We haven't, we haven't done better than the, the happy meal post. So we need more people in there <laughs> to come in and bring more crazy to the clown car. So come join us over in the tumbling saber Facebook group and, uh, come hang out with us there. That's where, that's what we're, it's, it's, it's a good lot of fun in there and we're kicking around the news and all the cool stuff in our star Wars lives. Um, so, but until then, uh, Marie, where can we find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at Alia Morgan, and you can find my reviews of all different Star Wars um, publications and TV shows at the Star Wars Review.blogspot.com. And lately, it's been really light because publishing has been really light. Um, but it's going to be picking up pretty soon. So that'll be fun. And then um, you can find me on YouTube at Afro's Artifacts, where I talk about queer Star Wars. Cool. Prolific, Marie. You are killing it. And, and, <laughs> and on the blog, on the YouTube, here with us on the pod, you got so much going on. And we're, we're, uh, plug your next showdown. Um, so I am going to be my, I'm pretty sure it hasn't, well, it, the schedule hasn't been announced yet Okay. for the next one, but I, I will be in the tournament, um, for the first, uh, in the, the first round of the tournament will be, um, like mid May. We will be uh, paying attention to your body count. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Nathan, where can we find you? Uh, I'm at NAF Roberts on Twitter. And Kyle, tell them about the Facebook group. I already did that. (laughs) (laughs) The Facebook group is so much fun. I love that place. Just saying. Yeah, it's a cool little spot. I I love it in there. And, you know, I'm not a huge Facebook fan, but that that group keeps the lights on for me. It keeps me coming back to Facebook. And so I, I can't live without it. And you can't either. So come join us there and come jump in and we'll have we'll have a bunch of geeky fun over there. So that's it. Uh, you can find me at Tumbling Saber on the Twitter machine and, of course, in that Facebook group. Uh, and I hope 
We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Let us know what you think. And uh, until next episode, everybody, have a great week. Stay safe and may the force be with you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Sitting here for hours, looking at that child. Pages getting wider like a mirror to myself. Struggle for the answers, questions frighten me. Circles getting wider, it's harder just to see. Your voice is sending shivers to shout right through my skin.